following is a special presentation of the Mars Attacks podcast, member of Talking Metal Digital. Two parties will present their cases, and the judge will select the be-all and all track that will represent music for all eternity. Welcome to Mars Attacks, my favorite kiss, featuring Chris from the Decibel Geek podcast, Talking Metal Digital's own Mitch Lafon. Here is your host and the judge, Victor. Welcome one and all to another episode of Mars Attacks. We are continuing the My Favorite Kiss series with our great co-host here, Mitch Lafon from One on One with Mitch Lafon. Good day, sir. And we also have Chris Sinzak from the Decibel Geek podcast. How's it going, Victor? Good to be here. I am doing well, guys. We are, as usual, spread out throughout the world. Chris is in Nashville. Mitch is up in Canada, in the Quebec province. You're, you're closest to, to where? Montreal? Montreal. Montreal. Yeah, about about half an hour out of Montreal. Gotcha. Okay. In the suburbs. In the burbs, as in they the say. In the burbs. Okay. And, um, and I'm over here in Spain. So thanks to technology, we can all hook up and talk about what else? Kiss. That's right. The one and only Kiss. <laughs> so tonight we're going to talk about Kiss drummers. We're continuing the series. We did Guitarist Part 1 and Part 2. If you haven't checked that out, you can go to the website, marsattacksradio.com. And on the right-hand side, you'll find a category, which is my favorite. You can select on that. And you'll hear all the other wonderful episodes where the three of us have discussed Kiss. Well, actually... Mitch and Chris have discussed KISS, and I've chimed in a little here and there. So that's the basic premise <laughs> of the show. They pick um, songs uh, that best represent the current or former members of the band that we will be discussing. And if there needs to be a tiebreaker of some sort, then I chime in and throw my two cents in there for what that's worth. So... Uh, we're going to kick things off. We're going to go in reverse order here. And uh, we're going to start things off with Eric Singer. And which one of you guys want to go first? Flip a coin. Uh, I'm ready, man. Chris. Uh, let's, I, uh, let's go yeah. with your pick this today. Okay. Um, I'll go with the most recent song uh, from, from Eric Singer on my list, and that's All for the Love of Rock and Roll. And... I'm a big fan of the album Monster. I know there's a lot of Kiss fans that aren't, but um, I don't hide my love for this album. I honestly think it's a better album than Sonic Boom. I think it's a more honest album. And um, this track in particular, I remember they leaked. Like, well, you know, they, it's not leaked, but they released like a couple of songs in advance of this album coming out. And one was Long Way Down, which I absolutely loved. And the other was All for the Love of Rock and Roll. And when this one came out... Um, and I heard Eric singing on it, it was, it blew me away. I still go back and listen to this song pretty regularly. It's not a stellar drumming performance from him. It's just a basic 4-4 drum song, but his singing is great on it, and it just fits, it just fits the character. You know, he's playing, he's portraying the Catman character. Um, I could very easily hear Peter Chris singing this song on a 70s Kiss track. Now, I don't know if you can call it contrived all you like, but when I listened to it, I, I listened to it, loved it, and played it over and over again. I think it's a it's a great it's great to hear Eric singing because he's got a good voice, and um, yeah, I dig it. Great song. Yep, yeah, it it is a good song. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, 
I'm going to go a different way, though. I'm going to go with Unholy from Revenge just because it was the first video to feature Eric. It was the one that really brought me back into the band. You know, and I've said it many times, as we got to the end of the 80s, I started getting more into Def Leppard, Bon Jovi, Motley Crue and all that. And, you know, uh, Hot in the Shade and stuff. They were cute albums, but they weren't great. And then you got to Revenge. And there was the blonde guy on the drums. And it, it just was a powerful song. And then the whole Revenge tour, all the songs that, that, that were on that tour just sounded better with the double bass drum. And that, that was sort of the, the rediscovery of Kiss. Or, the, the you know, actually, me being excited about the band. Because, you know, I never stopped listening to them. But I got excited about the band again. And it really started with Eric Singer and Unholy and then the rest of the, the Revenge album, except, of course, for Take It Off, because that's Kevin Valentine. But mm -hmm. the other songs, um, <laughs> and, of course, Car Jam, but uh, really, that's the one right there. Unholy is what is what brought me back to the band, and that's Eric Carr's drumming, Eric Carr's presence, uh, the Revenge tour, the whole thing. So there you go. Unholy for Eric Singer. Can't go wrong with that one. Nope. Um, yeah, so, I mean, and, uh, yeah, that tour, I saw that tour in Nashville, and... You know, and I, you know, would have wanted to pick if, like, if we we're picking, li including live renditions of songs, him playing um, Parasite on that tour took it to a completely different level. You know, that's exactly what I was thinking of. As I was saying, the Revenge tour, it was clips of Parasite yeah. <laughs> from the Montreal four, and that kept just, he just nailed that song. And, uh, you know, I think that's the problem with modern day Kiss is, I don't really care if, if he's the cat man and if Tommy's the spaceman. Right. What I do care about is that they're not letting them play to the full ability. If we can yeah. have that sort of unabashed revenge sound yep. in a Kiss show in 2015, dress him up however you want. I don't care. Just don't tell Eric that he has to play like Peter. You know, just let him be Eric and double bass and go crazy. That that's what yeah. I'd love to see again. I, yeah, I do miss the way he played back in those days. Yeah, and he, great. And he can still play like that. But yeah. for some reason they've put him in a box and it's like, oh come on, don't I watched the um the video of the the Bogota Columbia meet and greet that they did the other day and you know, he's got this little bitty kit there, but he was doing all the little tricks and stuff in between all the verses. And I was like, that's the Eric Singer I want to see on, you know, up on the big stage. Yeah. Fully agreed. Yeah. Um, so for my next pick, uh, I'm going to pick, uh, a song from revenge and I don't even like this song, but I think his drumming performance on it is really, really good. And that's Domino. I'm, you know, and I know a lot of kiss fans love Domino, but I just, I don't think it's a very good song. Uh, it's just kind of, it just doesn't do it for me, but, his drumming on this song, even on just just a little hi hat hits on the on the uh, verses, and then of course you know the the quick little fills that he does throughout the song, you know when it leads up to the uh, the bridge going into the chorus. He's a I mean he's a monster on that song, and he really shows off his entire bag of tricks on Domino. Uh, so we're doing two Eric Singer picks, are we? And we're doing three. We're doing three of each, aren't we? Okay, yes. there you go. All right, so um. You know, the, my second pick, and, and I'm going to have to stick then with uh, the Revenge album and just go with a song that I love and think is totally underrated, and that's uh, I Just Wanna. 
Mm. I, I just think that's a fun song, and I think it's underrated, and I think Eric's just got a fun little swing thing going on there. So I just wanna. Didn't that song kind of get a... It seemed like that song wound up with a bad rap. Like, uh, when it came out and we saw the Revenge Tour, it was such a fun little sing-along thing. And then, But, it, like, over the years, people seem to make fun of this song. Like, it's just a silly song. It is, but I, I've always loved it. And whenever I make a Kiss mix, I always throw it in there. And uh, I'm just going to have to give Eric props on that one. I agree. Uh, for my last Eric Singer pick, uh, I've been heavily invested in this album because I did an album's unleashed on it recently with Toby Wright. And that's jungle from carnival of souls. This, uh, he's, uh, he's him and Bruce are the stars of this album. And, um, they tried a lot of different things on this album too. Like they added like African drums and all kinds of stuff. And I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but, uh, Eric certainly stands out on it. And in jungle, you get lots of, tribal type drumming throughout the entire song and these cool little it's just he does the great he does these great things in between the notes and that's one thing that makes him kind of a special drummer and it's kind of like you know i think when we'll get to eric carr and peter in a bit but like peter was pretty much swing and groove eric carr was technique and eric singer seems to be a combination of swing and technique and I think like on jungle, he has a, it's a good example of how he does that. And he gets a lot of time to uh, the extended jam little thing at the end of the song to really just try out things. And I, I just think it's a, it's a cool tune and it's a drum heavy song. Yeah. You know what? Uh, my next pick is basically what you said, everything you said, except the song is different. So carnival of souls, Bruce and Eric are, are the stars. They, they really took it to a next level. All that wonderful stuff you just said. Uh, but I'm just going to go with Master and Slave. I just think it's a better song than Jungle. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just a nice uh, rhythm throughout the whole song. It's just it's just a nice steady beat though, all the way through. And, um, yeah, I'm going to go with Master and Slave. There, there's, there are, those are my three Eric Singer picks. Some dark, moody stuff for you. I'm surprised you picked a, a, a Carnival al- album song. You don't like that one much, do you? Uh, I don't like it overall, but I right. think, uh, I think you, you know what? I'll be fair with Jungle, uh, not Jungle, uh, Carnival of Souls. I think if you listen to Master of the Slave, you know, on Monday morning, you're fine. And if you listen to I Will Be There Tuesday morning, you're fine. And Jungle on Wednesday, you're fine. And even I Walk Alone on Thursday. It's just if you sit down on Friday and listen to the whole album, all 12 songs at once. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's torturous. I mean, it really is. But individually, the songs aren't bad right and and i don't know if that makes sense but i guess sometimes there are there are albums that are meant to be listened to as an album like (laughs) cheap tricks in color oh yeah there are other times where it's just a couple of singles here and there and i feel the same way with a lot of acdc albums i think acdc albums if you sit down for 45 minutes after a while it's just like a hum but if you listen (laughs) well it is but if you listen to this back in black or uh, give a dog a bone or whatever individually you go man those guys are great and i think that really applies to carnival of souls so you know um rain's a good song uh, master and slave uh i will be there jungle um in the mirror is good you're naming off most of the album mitch (laughs) i know but just 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 not at once you you just can't sit for 45 minutes and listen to the whole thing because by the time you get to i walk alone you'll be sitting alone. Nobody else is going to be there with you. <laughs> okay, that's funny. I'll give you credit on that one. 
you know? So there you go. So, uh, so those are my Eric. I, I, I actually was going to pick um, the Ramones cover. Um, oh, yeah. Do you remember yeah. Rock and Roll Radio? The only question is, is, I couldn't remember if Eric actually did play on that or if they got somebody else to play on it. I'm not totally sure, actually. Exactly, but because that, that's actually a fun little drum beat going on. Yeah, there. it's excellent drumming. But you know what, here, while you discuss, let me, uh, let me Google uh, Kiss's version of Do You Remember. Well, okay. There you go. Well, so we t- should go to Victor because uh, yep. we didn't tie on anything and uh, yep. see what he thinks is the best one. Yeah, the the funny thing here is that I was waiting Mitch to pick a Heart of Chrome so he could have three tracks that <laughs> Vinny actually co-wrote. For, for his selections. There you go. You would have loved that, wouldn't you? Of course. We would have had uh, Leon Sphinx uh, chiming in there. Um, Chris. Uh, yeah, let's not get on that subject. Okay. Uh, th- this, this is hard for me because outside of maybe one of these tracks, I, I love all of these tracks. <laughs> um, and I already picked Unholy as the tiebreaker for Bruce Kulick. Um so I mean that that right. seems like a a perfect choice, but as as a drummer growing up listening to a lot of these guys, I have to say that to me, for, from a drumming standpoint, Jungle is the the track that sticks out to me. So if mm. if I were to pick a be all end all track for Eric Singer, it would ha- it would have to be Jungle. Well, hey, there you go. I'll I'll take your word for it because you're a drummer and I'm not. (laughs) I can air drum. That's about it. We'll just have to admit that you made a mistake. That's all. (laughs) No, he was totally wrong. (laughs) There you go. So who are we going to next? Mr. Eric Carr? Is that that where we're heading? Paul Caravello we will be going with. Mr. Eric Carr, as most of us know him. And um, since Chris kicked things off before, let's go with Mitch first for Eric Carr. Yeah, I, I think this one's going to be pretty simple. Um, you have to go to the album that has the Kiss drum sound, and I think we all know that's Creatures of the Night, one of the better sounding drum albums from any band that we listen to. Totally. And I think you have to go right at the top, Creatures of the Night, the first song. I mean, as soon as you drop the needle, because yes, back then we had, you know, we, we <laughs> all dropped the needle on vinyl back then. That was even pre-cassette and pre-CD, uh, and you heard that, you know, right away, uh, yeah. you were sucked in, and I and I and and I just don't think it got any better. And quite frankly, out of the three songs I'm going to pick, I don't think it gets any better than Creatures of the Night for Eric Carr. I mean, it's just that's the song, period, end of story. Well, he, yeah, I mean, the first thing you hear on the album is him, right? <laughs> so, um... and it's 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 him on the album that is revered by drummers that aren't even kiss fans it's 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 how they start shows i mean it's it i mean it's as much as a i don't know did you call them drum riffs or drum passes whatever they're called um, <laughs> we'll call them riffs because we're, we're not musicians drum but, patterns uh, actually but <laughs> yeah i mean that one is is as distinctive as anything you've heard from anybody else whether it's uh, guns and roses or you know uh, sabbath that's that one is 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 very kiss uh, iconic so there you go that's it's a fantastic drum pattern it really it's just i don't know yeah that that song they couldn't have picked a better album opener than that song Definitely not. it's uh i had to pick one I, I was tempted to just pick three songs off this album but i was like no that's 
that's really good. That's kind of cheating. But uh, I did pick a song off this album. I didn't pick Creatures. It was certainly in the running. Um, the one I picked was Satan Center. And I love this song. This is this is like like a kind of a buried treasure song for for Kiss, and it doesn't get nearly the credit it deserves. And Eric's drumming in particular is really interesting on this song because it's some of the more I don't know technical sound. I mean, it's like I'm not a drummer, so I I could be completely wrong on this, but it it sounds like a Kiss drummer really stretching himself on what he's doing. He's doing a lot of different little cool little things on there with his hi hat and the way he's playing the beat and the drums, of course, just sound massive, but the way he plays back and forth with the guitar parts on it, I think it's just a fantastic song. Yeah, I'm gonna. I have to agree with that too. I mean, listen, Creatures of the Night is one of my top three uh, Kiss albums, so I'm gonna agree with any pick from that album. Um, Me too. Pick number two. I'm gonna get back to Creatures and for for pick number three, but pick number two, I'm gonna go with um, Under the Gun from Animalized, just because it is an album and or a song, I should say, that is almost heavy metal, and it's just interesting to hear a Kiss drummer doing sort of a, I don't want to say blast beat or, or, or thrash kind of thing, but that's as metal-ish as Kiss ever got, and uh, it's just a great track, and it's so unknown and deserving of some praise. So, Under the Gun from Animalized. I got a Alan Schwartzberg who played on it. <laughs> well, yeah, because I almost picked I've Had Enough, but I think he plays on that song, doesn't he? Because, right. well, yeah, Alan does a lot of um, like, like on Animalize, so who knows? Yeah. Uh, Under the Gun, I saw I saw Kiss play on the Hot in the Shade tour here, <clears throat> and Under the Gun was still in the set list, and they played it, and I remember being kind of taken aback at how close to the album Eric's drumming was on that song in particular, because... It's a not it's not an easy song to play drum wise and oh. he was just spot on on that and then yeah it was, it was surprising to hear that in the set list that late in the game because they had dropped a lot of that early eighties material by that point and we're going back to the old stuff but um, now for my second pick <clears throat> I'm gonna go with an album that's near and dear to me and not to too many other people um, from the Crazy Nights album uh, I'm gonna pick Thief in the Night and. Uh, you know, the this album gets panned by a lot of people for the guitars being a little too low in the mix, a little too plasticky sounding, and that may be the case. But the uh, the drums were certainly not affected on this album. My, Eric has a pretty big drum sound on Crazy Nights, and this song in particular shows it off. It's um, it's it his drumming is huge on this song, and it's a it's an underrated tune. And I don't care if Wendy Williams did it first. I think this is a much better version. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're really right. And but it, I have a hard time picking drum tracks from Crazy Nights because it was so synth- synthetic that it, I don't know. I don't. Really but this one in particular has a good big sound to it. It's it's not quite creatures, but it's close. And I love that song. It's a great song. Um, all right, pick number three. Listen, I, I was I was torn between maybe Rock and Roll Hell, a War Machine, but at the end of the day. Uh, I'm going to have to just go with I Love It Loud, not because it's my favorite song or because it it isn't. It's just that it's such a recognizable song. You hear the first couple of bars in that wherever you are in a crowd and they'll go, oh, yeah, I love it loud. And 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 a lot of bands have copied it. and, and, And sports arenas, I hear people doing a chant that sounds like the drum beat. It's just it's just so big and so recognizable that you have to go with I Love It Loud. If you're talking about something where he had an impact, 
well, the beginning of I Love It Loud is that. Agreed. And I was going to, I had Betrayed was on my list is going to be my other pick. Um, Cause I do, I do love his drumming on that song, especially at the end because the, the dun, 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 you know, he drags the, the drumming down, but um, you can't, I mean, you can't really ignore I Love It Loud as, especially as a signature drum sound for Eric Carr. That, that song kind of just really spells it all out in yeah. three and a half minutes or however long it is. Um, yeah, yeah it's, we're not it's, picking our favorite, favorite songs. We're trying to pick what represents them. And I think yeah. that one, you, you, we'd sort of be silly if we ignored it. Well, dollars to donuts, if you ask most Kiss fans, I'd say about what song do you think represents Eric Carr? The majority of them would pick this song. Fully agreed. So yeah. there you go. Peter, Chris, your turn, Chris. Okay. Yeah. This was tough, man, because I love a lot of, I love Peter, Chris, and his, uh, when I became a Kiss fan, his drumming was the first thing that really, that I really took to, and I, I didn't become a drummer, but I wanted to be a drummer when I was 12 and was listening to Alive, and it was tempting to pick a drum solo. I know how much you love those, Mitch. Not but, at all. Um, I wanted to, uh, the solo in 100,000 Years was going to be a choice, but I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of 100,000 Years, and we're picking songs, not solos. So I'm going to go for my first pick with Nothing to Lose off the first album. It's, uh, if if you want a song that represents early Kiss and kind of has everyone included, this song does it. It's got Peter singing on it. It's got cowbell. It's got boogie-woogie sound to it. It's got a piano in it. It's just... It, it the song sounds like 1974, and that's what's great about it. And his vocals are killer on this song. I think, you know, and Gene has said in the past that you know he thought Peter had the best voice in the band. I think for that time he did. I mean, when you heard his voice back then, it just really stood out. And it's a great song, and it and that song was part of Unplugged, and it's been it's been a big song for the band throughout their whole history. So yeah, nothing. I wish they'd bring it back into the set list, but that's another discussion. But Nothing to lose. That's the my setless discussion. The never we ending. Are, we have to do that episode one of these days. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> we we, we got to pick the best twelve songs to fit into their sixty-five minute set list with eighteen <laughs> guitar solos. Uh, <laughs> um, you, you know, I'm going to stick to the first album. Uh, different song though. I'm going to go with Deuce, uh, a song that hasn't gotten old, even if they're playing it. You know, fifty years later, and. Um, it just it, it just embodies everything that was Kiss. It's got a nice swing to it. You know, Peter wasn't the most technical drummer. In fact, many would say he's not even a good drummer, but sometimes that's not what you need. You need to play for the song, and he plays for the song, moves it along nicely. A um, lot of kids or people that are our age learned to play Kiss, and, and like you said, nothing to lose. And Deuce were the first two songs they, they learned to play and, you know, went on to be mega rock stars and stuff and uh yeah i'm gonna stick with the first album and deuce just it's just it's just the eight no not, not the atypical it is the typical prototype kiss song and peter chris's drumming had a lot to do with that yeah it's revolutionary song for the band yep okay so for my second pick and like i could pick so many different songs that he played on so this is kind of a crapshoot for me but this one stood out because i was and i was talking to a friend the other day about how like people hate the a lot of people hate the production on the first three albums, but I think D- Dress to Kill has a certain really cool crisp sound to it, and Peter's drumming really stands out on the album. The guitars do sound a, a little small, 
but his uh his drumming sounds at full volume and uh, i think anything from my baby has a killer drum pattern to it and it's also interesting because and victor you could answer this question because he does a thing you know because when he's coming out of the uh when he goes into a verse like he's doing this little double hit thing after paul starts singing the verses now is he screwed up on the timing on that and it's just a happy accident that sounds cool or do you think it was intentional that sounds, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it sounds intentional. It sounds like he's rolling into the um, into Paul singing. So th- and it's a small little thing, but it really makes the song sound better. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I if I could chime in for for one second, I I totally think that his drumming on um, "Dress to Kill" is by far the best, and and it's very intricate with not only that song but. Just his hi hat playing in general, you could re- it really sticks out and it really works well with how they balance the acoustic guitars and recorded those sort of below the yep. the electric guitars as well. But uh, anyway, back to you guys. <laughs> there you go. I'm gonna uh, go over to God of Thunder from Destroyer as my uh, second pick. Uh, you know, it just it had a very demonic quality to it, which is exactly what you wanted for that song. Uh, it became a show moment live. Uh, even the abridged sort of drum solo on Alive 2 that leads out of God of Thunder is enjoyable. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, you know, when you got God of Thunder on the reunion tour and the farewell tour, and even back in the uh, 70s, it was a show moment. And I think uh, Peter's drumming had a lot to do with that. And I think he just made it a very... Uh, dark uh, and and to use a big word lugubrious kind of sound to it and and um, yeah God of Thunder from Destroyer pick number two for Peter Chris hmm. that's an interesting pick because that's that was one when I was listening through not that I really need to listen to any of these songs so I've heard them a million times but that one I was like, like such a simple drum thing and you know I wonder how much credit we should give Bob Ezrin for that drum part but yeah but. It's so. It maybe maybe it's a less is more thing where it adds to it, you know. Yeah, because it it added a, a quality that that really needed to be there in the song. It was just sort of slow and plodding, and and the whole song was was sort of this demonic, you know. And it it just worked. It, it gave it that that gritty, dark quality and good little song. Yeah, well, certainly. I mean, it adds more power to it than the way it was drummed on the uh, demo version. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then uh, we'll pick None of Your Business as our next song. Um, <laughs> oh, I hate that song. <laughs> ain't None of Your Business. All right, I'm trying to think what's going to be next. All right, let's hear pick number three. Okay. This one is, this is from Rock and Roll Over, and this is Peter Chris being a full-on arena rock drummer. And this, they recorded this album in an arena and or a theater, but they got, they were trying to get the big sound and, uh, I think Eddie Kramer did a good job on on I Want You. I think this song uh, is Kiss as close as they could get to like massive Zeppelin level arena sound. And Peter's drumming is a big part of this song. And if you really pay attention to it, he's going fucking ape. Sorry for my language, but fucking ape shit on the cymbals on this song. I mean, he's beating the hell out of his kid on this song. And it's just it's like kind of a, a wild, reckless abandon type drumming performance and a lot, the song's great on its own, but his drumming is just huge on this song. Yeah, agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Um, all right, track number three for me, huh? 
Boy, I'm, I'm juggling a lot on this one. Um, I, I was going to say, come on and love me, but you know what? I am going to go with Hard Luck Woman, and not for the drumming, but for the vocal performance. You know, a lot has been made about this song was going to go to Rod Stewart, and, and we've heard Paul Stanley uh, sing it at conventions and, and um, you know, the uh, uncut, unplugged version and all that. But there is a, a unique quality to Peter Chris's voice on that song. And, and say what you will about Beth Oates, the biggest hard luck woman really is the quintessential Peter Chris vocal. It, I just can't imagine anybody else singing it or doing it as well, whether it's Rod Stewart or Paul Stanley or even Russ Dwarf, who did it on my um, tribute album. Um, yeah, Hard Luck Woman, that, that's Peter Chris right there. And it, it's not about the drumming this time. It's about the, the vocal. Yeah, well, that was a good call on Eddie Kramer's part. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, it, it, it doesn't sound, it'll never sound as good as it does with him singing it. No, and, you know, we've all heard a, a thousand different versions. You go to YouTube and put in Hard Luck Woman cover and, and tons appear. But there's something very unique about Peter Chris's voice on that one. And you it just... just Yes, it sounds more authentic with his vocal. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, it's not—he's not the best vocalist in the world. But you can say whatever you want; it's just perfect. Sometimes songs is about that, you know, certain something characteristic. There you go. There you oh. go, Victor. We made it difficult for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you guys just touched on an interesting point there. I think a lot of times when people talk about Peter not being a great drummer. Peter was a great drummer and very, uh, he stood out quite a bit in the 70s. Now you go past the, uh, you know, the solo albums, which is the last time that he appeared with Kiss uh, up until um, Psycho Circus, even if he drummed on that at all. But um, he was very individual. He was very energetic. He was very different than what was what else was out there and and Mitchie touched on a good point Dave Lombardo has always stated that Peter Chris and John Bonham were his two biggest influences so I mean there are people out there and I mean (laughs) there are very few people very few drummers that have been as innovative as Dave Lombardo has been so for him to you know single out Peter Chris as being one of his biggest influences I think is, is a great compliment um, you guys have really made this difficult for me because I'm a huge fan of his work in the 70s. I mean, that's what really got me into into playing, w- without a doubt. Um, I've played most of these songs to death. But, I mean, this, this one song to me, which is going to be the tiebreaker, could possibly be the greatest song that Kiss ever wrote as well. Uh, and it just has something to it, that original studio sound, and is the reason that it's still being played X amount of years later. And that to so me, it's anything for my baby, right? <laughs> it's deuce. <laughs> it's deuce. I mean, it's without a doubt. I mean, you, you hear that song just, and whether it's the, the version off of the original album, whether it's off of Alive, um, even if it's uh, Eric Singer doing it on on a live three, he's throwing in his 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 own little fills and things in there. But he's still keeping the song pretty close to the original as possible. So definitely the groundwork that Peter laid there 
is really something that, without a doubt, whether the band wants to poo-poo it or not many years later, the original Deuce was encapsulated, and it still sounds, you know, great all these years later. So to me, the quintessential Peter Criss track for me would would be deuce because it's got everything you want it's got it's got his over-the-top playing on it it's got a infectious chorus that just sticks in your head and i mean the solo everything is just great about that track so there you go there you go there are three picks so uh who do we have we had eric singer you you picked jungle peter chris you picked deuce and eric carr was i love it loud yeah yeah i mean that's Quintessential. Interesting note with the with the uh, excuse me Eric Carr stuff. Um, you picked uh, Saint and Sinner, Chris. Um, Eric yeah. also played bass on that, so there, really? there's another way that he was involved in that. And under the gun, you guys were wondering if he had played on it or not. He actually co-wrote the track. So there you go. Uh, oh, okay. Well, I knew he had something to do with the lyrics, but I wasn't sure if he actually was playing the drum track. Yeah, and and I'm sure that's the. Um, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, he was always on Eddie Trunk's local radio show, and, and he always talked about how he would bring things like Metallica and Anthrax to Gene and Paul, and initially they weren't receptive to the stuff, and he wanted to bring more... Go figure. Yeah, more double bass into what they were doing, so I'm sure that, you know, complete full-on double bass, almost thrash, as Mitch was saying, was definitely him yeah. wanting to... Uh, bring that aspect of of hard rock or metal into what kiss was doing well king of the mountain was in contention for my list because i love his drumming on that too yeah it's a good song you know uh kiss uh, when they decided to follow the uh bands in the 80s and not be their own thing they 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 went def leppard and uh bon jovi way but maybe they should have stuck to the uh metallica way might have been more profitable could have been more yeah, you know, Kiss could have been more of a metal band. That would have been kind of cool. Eric would have been perfect for that, and Bruce would have been yeah. great for that. That eighty, that eighty-two to eighty-five stretch was some really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. well, without Vinny. No, come on, man. <laughs> so hard on Vinny, Mitch. Well, you know, listen. The, the minute he sits down for an interview, perhaps I'll give cut him some slack. But... Well, when, when one of when one of us wins the Powerball, we'll get that interview. <laughs> if we can find him. Yeah. If we can find him. But, hey, I, I just recently interviewed Joe Holmes of the Aussie band. So yeah. uh, so that that was interesting. That was a, a name out of nowhere that uh, people haven't heard of in 15 years. So Yeah, yeah that Pharmaco stuff is really cool. It really is. And, uh, you know, I certainly encourage people to head over to the uh, one-on-one uh, with Mitch LaFon Facebook page and Twitter and, you know, iTunes and Spreaker and all that and listen to these interviews because there, there's some great stuff going on. Chris, plug, mm-hmm. plug your stuff too. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 Decibel Geek, uh, go to decibelgeek.com. We just relaunched our website, and a lot of time and effort went into that. Uh, and that you can link to our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all that on there. New episode every Monday. Find us on iTunes, free every week. Okay, that's important to say, right? Free every week. Same thing it's, with uh, same thing with one on one and. We're, we're every Monday as well, but sometimes also Monday and Thursday because I do too many interviews. They, they never stop. <laughs> <laughs> like I said earlier this year, about the end of the year, you will have interviewed the entire music industry. <laughs> I really think I have. 
uh, it, I'm starting to think so. It, it's time to uh, to pull back a bit, I think. But uh, <laughs> you, you never know. I, I still got to get Vinny and uh, I don't know, maybe John Bon Jovi under the microscope, and then we'll see what happens. If you get if you get John Bon Jovi, please ask him what the hell happened after these days. Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show.